Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This is the Yanks Go Yard Podcast with Adam Weinrib and Thomas Carinante. Welcome to the Yanks Go Yard Podcast. I'm Adam Weiner, alongside Thomas Carinante. The Yankees are back in action. Spring training has begun, and only two injuries were announced on day one of camp. New record for fewest injuries ever announced by the Yankees on day one? I certainly think so. One of them short-term, Jose Trevino. We'll miss you for the first couple of spring training games, but that's not really a big deal. It just sort of opens the door for Austin Well, But Scott Efros, the bullpen is worse now than it was yesterday. He's not going to be back until summer. What does summer mean? June is the summer. May, technically, part of May is the summer, but certainly sounds like July, August is the summer as well, as is September. Not exciting. Bummer they didn't announce this earlier, even though Efros was surgically repaired in December. We'll talk about this in addition to some new additions who joined the Yankees. The fact that the Baltimore Orioles just got the injury bug so much worse than we did today. And is there another pitching signing on the horizon for the Yankees? And how big will that acquisition be? If so, I think small. We'll see what Thomas Caradon Dave believes. Thanks for joining us on uh, live on YouTube, Mondays, Thursdays, 2 o'clock, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts in the aftermath. Uh, we appreciate everybody showing up. Still trying to build the Discord channel, so if you want to become a member, show your fandom, put the little badge on your profile. We'll welcome you in the Discord. We want to get people in there by opening days. We'll be talking during games live, so please join us. Thomas and myself will be in there with you. We're not just trying to collect fans. We're also going to participate. Thomas Carinante, welcome to the show. Uh, don't want to get too pessimistic too early. Still nice to see the Yankees down in Florida doing their thing. A lot of new faces, excited to make an early impression. And you are going to make a first impression on the listeners and viewers today by reading them an advertisement for a gambling company. Yes, sir. Welcome, everybody. Thanks so much for tuning in. Um, we got DraftKings once again. They're still here. They ain't going away. Um, they have a really good sign-up bonus going on right now for new users um, here's the deal. You sign up on the website, you punch in the code Yanks go yard at sign up. There will be a little box for you to put in a promotional code. You place a $5 bet on anything and you will instantly claim $200 in bonus bets. On top of that, you'll be rewarded with a separate, no sweat, single game parlay every single day. When you opt in, you will receive both of these rewards. Even if your first $5 bet loses, you cannot lose here unless you blow your bonus money on something stupid. Um, but nonetheless, <laughs> I did that last uh, night. I did that last night. I bungled my bonus money on some weird Indiana Pacers Raptors parlay because all I bet is football. So the fact that I had a no sweat bet and the football season was over, I was like, 
I do not know what the fuck to do with this. Uh, Emmanuel yeah. quickly hope you score me 10 points and then I still lost. Mm, yeah. Uh, at this rate, you're probably best on saving your bankroll for March Madness conference tournaments. I don't know. Uh, either way, wherever your taste stands, um, you will have $200 in bonus bets to lay out there and have some fun. Um, so if you j- decide to join DraftKings um, as a new user, once again, punch in that code YanksGoYard, which, by the way, also helps us out. Adam and Thomas, YanksGoYard podcast, YanksGoYard.com. We appreciate it very much. Um, you scratch our back, we'll scratch yours. Pretty simple. Uh, this offer is only available to new customers who are 21 and older and physically present in legal gambling states. Please remember to always gamble responsibly. Very important. Check the episode description for full terms of the offer to see if you qualify. Um yeah, Yankee spring training, pitchers and catchers here. Let's get into it because I'm pissed. Yeah. Pissed well, the funny thing it. about the funny thing about my back is it's located on my DraftKings <laughs> promo code. And uh, if you were somebody who was trying to scratch their back, you might be a relief pitcher for the New York Yankees. Perhaps you scratched your back a few too many times in November, and then December when you got to check that back out, you're like, ah, oh, crap, need surgery on it. Uh, Scott F. Ross. The most important, uh, the most important part of, of yesterday's return to camp. It was nice to see Marcus Stroman. It's nice to see Alex Verdugo without the beard. Uh, somebody captured a photo of him throwing a water bottle at Anthony Volpe, and was immediately uh, portrayed as a clubhouse problem. That was pretty funny. Uh, but Aaron Boone gets the mic right, and I see the tweet comes through that says Aaron Boone's here. He's going to be talking, uh, doing his first media session. He's got a grumpy looking face on in a screenshot that somebody took. And I'm like, oh, that's not good. He's about to reveal an injury for uh, sure. There's no way he's sitting down and be like, how's everybody doing? I had a good off season. He's definitely sitting down with a face. that's like, we lost somebody and they're not coming back for a while. And that guy was Scott Efros. It was like the first sentence Boone said, he's like, by the way, so here's what, here's what I got for you. Um, Efros was traded for as an already, uh, a, a, a slider dependent pitcher, not fastball velocity, right? So if you are a slider dependent, you really got to make, uh, be absolutely certain that your location is supreme because mm-hmm. if that slider is spinning off the plate, uh, fantastic chase inducing. If that slider spinning right over the heart of the plate, that is a, a home run deep into the left field bleachers all the time over and over again. And we just dealt with a pitcher Whose back injury threw him off for the entire year? That's Carlos Rodon. He got a back injury that was deemed chronic before last season started. He was never the same, and the stuff didn't take a dip. But what did was a location. And so he was extremely hittable. I can't believe that that was an all-star that we watched last year based on how hittable he was. So now Scott Efros is rehabbing from Tommy John. You're usually not yourself when you return from Tommy John immediately. You need extra time to build that up. So he's returning from Tommy John with a slow ramp up, with a slower ramp up because of his back surgery in December. This was a guy the Yankees were counting on to be a back end guy in the bullpen this year. Back three, back four. Uh, the Yankees print bullpen arms, it's true. I know, but they better start printing them soon because right now they don't have that many bullpen arms who are guaranteed to be effective next year. It's only a strength for as long as you maintain it. Right. The Yankees bullpen has been their strength because there have been top performers in there. Those people are leaving. Chad Green, not here anymore. Wandy Peralta, not here anymore. Jonathan Loisaga throws 16 innings a year. Scott Efros is not coming back until the middle of the summer. Clay Holmes, gotta love him. Is he a closer? Probably. 
Uh, would he be better suited as a setup man in an elite bullpen? Like, wouldn't you rather have Josh Hader in there and Clay Holmes as the eighth inning guy? Absolutely. But eh, pretty good closer. Um, blow safe sometimes. All closers do. The bullpen is not a strength until proven, right? I need to, it, it, I, I understand Caleb Ferguson and Victor Gonzalez and Ian Hamilton was great last year. And Ron Marinacci was great in 2022. And this team pitching lab prints relievers. I understand. But there's a whole lot of uncertainty out there. Tommy Canely. Uh, good for a good portion of last year, bad in September, also often injured. There are a lot of names you can believe in, and I know that the Yankees have managed to make it work over and over again, but the more you lose, the less it remains a strength. And oh, by the way, if you want to dump on Brian Cashman for the Efros trade, and I know that you do, the major selling point of trading for Scott Efros when the Yankees traded for Scott Efros, all those years of control. Well, now that's a negative. Because the Yankees are stuck through 2027 with a 30-year-old reliever who has thrown 71 and a third innings total in his major league career. Remember when it was a benefit to get all those years of control? Now 2023 erased. 2024, a good portion of it has been erased as well. And when he comes back, he'll need to find himself again. And the Yankees control him for an extended period of soul searching. So I no longer want those years of control. Give me Hayden Wesneski. Thank you very much. Yeah, um, <clears throat> the uh, we knew we weren't crazy when the rumblings were happening when Boone was talking early in the offseason. And he's like, yeah, I'm not sure if Efros is on track. And it's like, what? And Remember you couldn't Tommy- find that anywhere. You couldn't yeah. find any details on that. Nothing. And um, I think he said that in December. And then we're sitting oh, there. It was like- disseminated on Twitter a little bit. So I wasn't yeah. you know, out of my mind. I saw that. But you searched for it. Nobody covered it. There was no news about Efros. It was just an offhanded mention of he might be behind. Yeah. And it's like, I would love to know why. Yeah. So we were sitting there like, what? What do you mean? Uh, and nobody asked. Like, though, he said something and nobody inquired further. It was just like, oh, OK. Assuming his throwing program is not on schedule but he underwent tommy john surgery in like the second week of october of 2022 so in theory for a reliever um look i know all these situations are different for everybody so we can't make a blanket recovery timeline for everybody but usually relievers come back a little bit faster because their their buildup and their workload is less of that than a starters um so you're sitting there and you're like wait opening day marks a year and a half since he underwent Tommy John surgery. So what are we waiting for? What is happening? Um, And now we have this. Um, And what happened the second this news broke, what clicked in my head? The Brian Cashman ran at the GM meetings. He was going off saying, you know, um, uh, I, I love how people criticize some of these trades as if like, you know, we have control over injuries. In a sense, like, no, you don't have control over injuries. But this, again, is a pattern. Everybody who was acquired through a trade, through a signing, whatever it is, not everybody, obviously not everybody. An an alarming amount of people acquired through signings and trades under Brian Cashman's watch over the last five, six years have been injured. I understand that's not his fault directly, but there is a very clear pattern here that suggests something is off in the process. I don't know what it is. I look around the league. We follow baseball pretty religiously. We do. I know we're not in the weeds with every team like we are with the Yankees. No, I'm in the weeds. I'm in the weeds on every team. The amount of key injuries the Yankees suffer every year, the amount of times the information is not relayed at the proper juncture. Scott Efros underwent surgery in December. That should have been made known 
in December when it happened, not two months after when everybody's getting excited for the start of the regular season, starting to try and project the bullpen, figure out what the starting rotation is going to look like, dreaming of an opening day lineup. This is not what we need at the onset of spring training. And this is should 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 be a lesson over what's happened over the last few years. You had the Luis Severino, uh, uh, Tommy John News. Uh, what was that? The start of 2020? It was um, right before the pandemic because I will yeah. never forget learning that Luis Severino needed Tommy John, buying myself a bottle of liquor because I was like, well, this season's over and this is the yep. worst. And then like a week later being like, oh, actually, Luis Severino getting Tommy John, not the worst thing that happened this year. Um, yeah. Now I can't go outside or talk to people. And that that was the beginning of it. And then you uh, fast forward to the uh, forget about injuries. Like, yes, injuries play a role, but you have the judge contract extension thing where it was like, why the fuck are you doing this before opening day? Why are we doing this on opening day? Why are we doing this three hours before the first game? And the Yankees still have not learned their lesson where they know that the injury news affects the pulse of the fan base affects how the media is going to perceive how that news is delivered. And I have nothing but critiques for this. I have nothing but critiques. I wish all the best for Scott Efros. I hope he comes back and he makes it. But the Yankees, once again, handling this like shit through PR. And now we have a longer track record of another Brian Cashman acquisition that is felled by injuries. And there's no explanation for it. And it's just shrug. It happened. Sorry. Like, this is this is the case sometimes. Is it the case? Yeah, sure. It's the case. Sometimes it shouldn't be the case a majority of the time. And again, you give up a top. Uh, Wesneski was number seven on the prospect pipeline at that point. Great. And he was a starting pitcher. And, and, and we don't know pitcher. what he's going to be moving forward. But at that point, he was yeah. a starting pitcher yeah. and a top 10 prospect. And once again, the conversation comes back to, are you sure? Are you sure that the best return on your investment for a starting pitcher in the number seven slot in your in your uh prospect ranking was a, a controllable reliever who was age aging obviously scott Efros has plenty of years left he doesn't have a lot of mileage on his arm but he's 30 years old right now he has limited major league experience and now obviously we're talking about this because of the injury but now you're weighing all the factors going back to the trade and you're like, so we acquired a reliever under the assumption that he would bolster the bullpen for that year for the stretch run under the assumption that he was controllable. So that was advantageous for whatever reason down the road, you're looking at a financial decision for a reliever six years down the road. And that's what's, that's what's factoring into trading Hayden Wesneski at that point. Um, whether or not the Yankees believed in Wesneski, West. I think I had a stroke. Uh, West Nesky is, is beside the point. Um, but again, it's the evaluation of the trade. Why could you not have packaged West Nesky with somebody else to get somebody better, more impactful? Um, because uh, we raised our eyebrows at the time of that trade, and West Nesky actually got off to a really fucking good start with the Cubs that year. Um, they brought him up in September. He made four or five starts. He was kind of lights out. Um, since, I think he's been transitioned to the bullpen. But nonetheless, I would uh, – I would have either found better use for Wesneski if that was the case than just getting a in, a reliever who was already, you know, a, a maybe uh, phasing out in, in terms of uh, aging towards the end of his career. Um, or I would have just kept him and said, hey, this is your role. You're going to be the swing man, which was 
a role the Yankees value very much. They kept Domingo Herman in this fucking role for five years. You're telling me that one of these other prospects that you traded weren't as good or viewed as effective as Domingo Herman. So once again, it comes down to the evaluation and the evaluation is now a discussion because of the injury troubles. And we don't know what's happening with the injury troubles or why they're happening, but it's a repeated narrative. It's a repeated storyline. And it's something that, again, we are going to focus on whether or not Brian Cashman is happy about it. Sorry. Yeah. And Brian, we welcome you to come on the podcast if you want to discuss why, why this continues to happen to you, but the Carlos road on back injury was deemed chronic last year and i hope that he can overcome it and he needs to and he shaved the mustache for good karma and i hope it works but chronic back injury diagnosed a month and a half two three months after a massive contract is signed we're gonna need somebody in that room who can pinpoint whether or not a chronic back injury has already developed because that doesn't happen overnight you don't wake up with a chronic back injury oh my gosh now all of a sudden i'm prone to back problems uh, somebody needs to be in the room who's able to determine that. And so somebody needs, you can't, a pitcher's UCL could snap at any moment, right? But perhaps Brian Cashman should have been warned of proclivity to back injuries with Scott F. Ross as well. We got the wrong back guy in the room. We do. Um, and obviously, you know, we, we you can watch a UCL weekend and you can determine if you're willing to take that chance or not, knowing that a pitcher may eventually break uh, but you want to get as many innings out of them as you can. And I'm sure that Brian Cashman and the Yankees expected to get more than a month and a half out of Efros, but that is what they got. He was on the shelf during uh, the stretch run in 2022, was expected to make the playoff roster. And that's how that's how we found out about his injury that time. It was, he's not on the playoff roster, and oh, also he has a torn UCL and he's out for whoops. next year. Like, that's oh, a tough whoops. flow. Hang that's on. a tough flow. Not just, uh, you know, Aroldis Chapman went home, took a plane to Miami, and Scott Efros, you may have noticed, is not on the roster either. Here's why, major surgery. Like, that's crazy. And uh, I would I would be generous. I even thought about being generous to the Yankees today. I woke up and I was like, the birds are birds are chirping, you know, grapefruits or we're playing grapefruit baseball down there. Um, I was like, well, you know, maybe they didn't want to announce the Scott Efros injury and the surgery because they wanted to have leverage in the offseason relief market so that nobody knew they were desperate. They could pursue Josh Hader. They could pursue these names for the bullpen without getting ripped off, except for they didn't sign anybody. Until like a week ago in the bullpen. So unless you're worried about the Dodgers gouging you for Victor Gonzalez when that trade was actually more about 40-man space than it was about the pitchers involved. And unless you were worried about the Dodgers catching wind of the Efros injury and being like, we're going to jack up the price on Caleb Ferguson. We're going to require two 16-year-old pitchers. Like, they did not sign free agent relievers. They didn't sign Peralta, Hector Neris, Ryan Stanek still on the market. They haven't signed him. Phil Maton, Robert Stevenson, Josh Hader. They called, and from what I've been told, their offer was substantially lower than what Houston ultimately got Hader for. And that deal in Houston materialized in like five seconds. Uh, you know, Houston's uh, Kendall Graveman went down, and then they go, oh, we weren't planning on spending on Josh Hader, but now we have $95 million for Josh Hader. Wouldn't that be nice? Wouldn't it be nice to react that way? Oh, man, someone on our team is catastrophically injured. We're going to struggle unless we replace them. Let's replace them with the best closer in baseball. Uh, so I understand if the Yankees wanted to keep things hush-hush so the teams didn't take advantage of them. Uh, first and foremost, it doesn't seem like the Yankees had anything, any irons in the fire because they didn't move anyway. So if they stopped teams from taking advantage of them, they didn't take advantage of that silence. And B, teams take advantage of the Yankees anyway. We've seen it a million times. 
Spencer Jones was named fan graphs number 15 prospect in all of baseball yesterday. And I fucking don't think Joey Ortiz was in the top 14. So there's that for you. Um, but it's not like the Yankees got any benefit from not disclosing this information. They just infuriated everybody uh, who watched Brian Cashman uh, let Aaron Boone walk out to the podium yesterday and be like, how are you doing? This is the happiest day of everyone's year. We're all extremely excited. Anyway, one of the pitchers we were counting on, not going to be here. Anyway, I'll take questions about anything else. Anybody want to talk about sunglasses? <laughs> and the Jose Trevino injury, it's like a calf strain a couple of weeks ago. What, yeah. what I, yeah. what, what does he do? I, I, obviously they're training, but like, a, this happened a few weeks ago. Why were we not told about it a couple weeks ago? To what happened? How are these injuries happening before anybody footage. gets to an organized workout? I saw footage of Trevino working out yesterday, doing like jumps and lunges on a side field before I was told he had a calf strain a couple weeks ago. Out of he order. Has a calf strain, out of order. But has resumed baseball activity. I don't. What? Why is baseball activity any different than the first few weeks of spring games? Spring games are not intense. They are famously ramp-ups for you to get ready for the season. I don't know. Look, we're not there, but again, it's all very much troubling. It's more of the same. And I thought, I guess I thought for a second, and no, I, I didn't. I didn't think for a second. I'm sorry, I didn't. I just expected, um, I expected a bit of a shift in how this team handled things because you had Cashman flip out on people at the GM meetings um, or the yeah GM meetings, whatever the hell it was, um, citing everything under the sun about what he was criticized for, about the perception of the Yankees, about, um, you know, the media coming after uh, personnel and personnel decisions and whatnot. Um, so it reached a boiling point. And then Brian Cashman goes out and Brian Cashman has himself a very good offseason again. We will uh, be as critical as we can of the front office at every turn. Brian Cashman had a good offseason. Yeah. He went and got Juan Soto, which is what everyone was asking for. I understand that that was a telegraphed move because the Yankees needed to do that, and the Yankees also had the, 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 the package that the Padres were looking for, but he did it. He got Juan Soto. Juan Soto was here. That's a tremendous acquisition, and in our opinion, for now, that's the best package you could give up without absorbing a major loss for the most important aspect of the roster, which is mm -hmm. pitching. Mm -hmm. Goes out and gets Alex Verdugo. Sure, I still think we'll largely disagree with the fit here, but guess what? If Alex Verdugo is the 7-8 hitter and a left-hander in this lineup, that's a win for what the for the production that we saw elsewhere. And I would even venture to say that after I had criticized that acquisition because I thought the Red Sox were just dumping a problem off to us, I think there is a motivation factor there for Verdugo to be better, to get back at the Red Sox, um, because after everything we've seen the Red Sox do this offseason, they are far more incompetent than the Yankees, I think, have ever sniffed being, um, at least in the last 30 years. So there's that. You had the offer to Blake Snell. Whether it's true or not, the information was leaked strategically by the front office. If that's the case, we don't know. Um, and then went around and signed Marcus Stroman to an extremely good contract for a, you know, I, I think that's undervaluing Marcus Stroman. I think Marcus Stroman's a $20 million a year pitcher uh, based on, uh, based on the quality of his outings when he's on the mound. I absolutely think so. So you turn around, you bolster the rotation. 
Um, I think even the moves at the margins were great, bringing in these relievers where it's like, oh, shit, these guys have something. Is this another is this another diamond in the rough? It's every time we see these reliever deals now, we get excited. Um, we read into it a little bit more. We 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 look at their track record. Um, and a lot of it is very in lockstep with how the Yankees have built the bullpen outside of large signings over the last four or five years. Great. But I thought there'd be a shift in the in the in the messaging, in, in the PR, um, whatever. And we're not. We're back at square one. We're back at the second everybody reports a spring spring training, we are dumping shitty news on people. That could have been dumped weeks ago to avoid this having to be the focus of the start of spring training. The focus of this start of spring training should be talking about how this team is built to win in 2024. Yes, you're going to you're already going to field a lot of questions this year about the future of this team. You have a ton of guys entering contract years. You have a Giancarlo Stanton problem that's going to loom large whether uh, if he's not performing at an all-star level, you have the you have injury issues that are going to have to be talked about without actual injury news. Nestor Cortez, Carlos Rodon, Stanton, DJ LeMahieu, Anthony Rizzo. The list goes on. So you already have a baked-in set of questions, shitty questions that you're going to have to deal with for the first few months of the season. Why are we adding more? Why are we adding more at the onset? I, I just don't understand it. And that's what's frustrating because Yankee fans have already been bracing for those questions, right? We're asking those questions ourselves. We're talking to our friends about those questions. You're fielding texts from people all the time asking you questions. Um, you have a lot more people asking you questions than I do. Um, but nonetheless, we know people are talking about things um, and people want to know what's going on and people have feelings towards certain occurrences, whatever it may be. I don't know why we're making this worse for everybody. This is supposed to be an exciting time. This is supposed to be um, this is supposed to be a uh, a good, in my opinion, feeling of a championship bust season. Because I think that that's what it is in a sense. I know every year we go in saying that, but like this, truly is. You don't know if you're going to sign uh, uh, Juan Soto after the year. Glaber Torres free agent. Alex Verdugo free agent. Um, uh, Anthony Rizzo, free agent. Anthony Volpe, huge leap year. That's that's very important for his development. Jason Dominguez coming back from injury in the middle of the year. So, like, you, all of this stuff is already happening. It's already consuming people. It's absorbing everybody's last brain cell when it comes to talking about and thinking about the Yankees. And then you're doing that. It's just irresponsible. It, it's dumb. Um, it's short-sighted. It's it's malpractice. It's malpractice on the organization's PR from a PR perspective. Um, and it, it just it, it it continues to have people raising eyebrows and lacking faith. And that that's that's where I'll leave it. Yeah, this should have been a day when we were talking about all the new arrivals and the curtain raising and and, and how terrible everyone else's jerseys look and how funny it is that the Indians <laughs> have no names, no names on the back of our jerseys, So ours can't look like shit. Nice job, fanatics. Um, be in my DMs later. Um, print something <laughs> right uh, one time. Uh, but now, yeah, instead we're talking about this. And uh, Juan, Juan Soto w- was talking to the Yankees prospects at the Dominican Academy the other day, like giving a speech to that. He is going, he is entrenching himself in this organization so much already, considering that this is not a place where he signed long term. Uh, it, it doesn't take a lot of dot connecting to, to maybe make yourself 
convinced that obviously he is not going to sign an extension before he hits free agency, but it seems like he has every intention of being here for quite a long time. It seems like Scott Boris is probably not thrilled that his client managed to get traded to the team he ultimately wanted to sign with in free agency next year to remove some of these doubts and, and uh, uncertainties and stop him from being able to rope other teams in to the mix. Prepare for the Mets rumors. They're coming, right? Uh, the Dodgers don't typically sign Boris clients, and neither do the Braves. There was a very interesting piece about that that ran this week in The Athletic. But the onslaught is coming, of course. But the story this week should be important season for the New York Yankees. Is DJ LeMahieu the right leadoff hitter for this team? Do we buy his second half bounce back? Where does Peraza go? Is Juan Soto here for the long haul? Isn't it encouraging that he's already talking to teenage prospects? But instead, we're not even I, – I, I still haven't even seen Juan Soto in a Yankees uniform yet he didn't do the press conference in new york he did it via zoom i haven't even seen him wear the pinstripes i haven't seen him take batting practice and instead i'm thinking about scott f ross and his back surgery which is an insane bummer um but at least we're not the orioles who uh their offseason went from what would you say it went from d to a minus then back to a b minus c plus in like 12 hours uh they go ahead and get corbin burns couple weeks ago, we spent a lot of time complaining about how the Yankees, you know, could have matched this package and why are Baltimore's more middling prospects valued differently than Spencer Jones, who everyone agrees has more pedigree despite coming from a slightly weaker farm system, even though the Yankees are among the only teams that have six, seven prospects and all these top 100 score in every farm system evaluator. It is what it is, but they get Corbin Burns to supplement a young rotation fronted by Kyle Bradish and Grayson Rodriguez last year. Uh, and everyone's still saying, hey, they might still be a starter short. Like, are we sure they're not going for Cease? Are we sure they shouldn't sign Jordan Montgomery? Even after they get Burns, I got this great one-two. Rodriguez has the stuff but was inconsistent last year, even though he found it down the stretch. And after that, they lose Kyle Gibson. They're losing innings. You know, are we sure Baltimore, Tyler Wells, John Means, are you sure they're ready to take the next step? This morning, turns out Burns uh, might be just sort of a one-for-one replacement for Bradish, not a supplement. He's got a UCL strain. He's going to do the PRP injection, which is what saved Masahiro Tanaka from Tommy John surgery. But they're going to slow play this, whether it saves him from Tommy John or not. The Orioles said today, we think he's going to pitch this year. That's not optimistic. John Means also going to miss the start of the season. He is still ramping up for all intents and purposes. He is the Orioles. Uh, uh, Scott Efros at this point. Like, you just can't count on John Means to participate. Yeah. It's John Carlos Stanton. It's like, great. It would be nice if he were to bounce back, but you can't count on it. Uh, and Gunnar Henderson hurt with a lesser injury. You know, it's something that will obviously not linger for very long. Basalo, their catcher, stress reaction. He's not throwing, he's only hitting. Uh, that's a top prospect, not a major league starter, but still an injury hammer to the brain on day one of spring training. I guess it's comforting the Yankees aren't the only ones who do this, but. Bradish is a massive loss. And keep in mind that many projections had the Yankees either neck and neck with or ahead of the Orioles already. Projections are projections. Game isn't played on paper, et cetera. Uh, But Kyle Bradish on paper is a lot more appealing than Kyle Bradish in reality right now as well. We don't even know when he's coming back, if at all. And that swings the division pendulum a good deal. Massively, massively. Think about if the Yankees had this offseason, right, where they like – carefully constructed a starting rotation um, were really calculated in any of their free agency trade decisions. And then one piece of the puzzle got yanked out from under them. I mean, we've been fucking complaining about that for six years, right? Every time, every time one aspect of the Yankees roster goes haywire, 
um, or doesn't go their way, everything goes haywire for them. So you look at Baltimore, right? I can't even believe, and this is no offense to John Means, I can't even believe people are factoring him into the picture. He's made six starts since the end of 2021. That is not anybody you can bank on doing anything for you. His road to recovery, after all these injuries that he suffered, he still needs 25 starts to feel like himself again. And usually those are not good starts. Those are obviously there to eat innings and and make sure you have a body in the rotation. But like performance-based, there's no calculating that into a rosy projection of any sorts. And uh, and Bradish, like, I think he's talented, but 30 effective starts, um, which came last year, the year prior. He almost had a five ERA and 23 starts. John Means has 69 career starts. He's 31 years old. Like, this is th- this was a highly, highly uh calculated gamble by the Orioles to assume everything would go right for them. Um, And you throw in Burns too, like Burns is a future question mark. Like this Orioles team is built to contend for what? Five, five, five years, like hard five years. They have the core and the control to be an actual powerhouse for five years. So Which is just about the longest that anybody has. Like yeah, you could, of course. It, the Orioles have maximized a window. You could say 10, 12, and you wouldn't necessarily be wrong, but stuff starts to go haywire after five or so. We're saying they are set up incredibly well. Yeah, they have, they have the people under team control. They need, we could say, you're right, 10, 12, that would hinge on the proper contract extensions, the proper trades, the proper free agency endeavors, whatever else goes into the the calculus of building a roster. But right now, surface level, five years, it's this is, in my opinion, this is their division to lose. And um now that I, I think the one advantage here is like, sure, they might acquire Dylan Cease because there is that urgency. Um if if Bradish is going to be out for the season or not fully be himself because that's just as bad. You know, you have somebody who's out there who's uncomfortable. You can't project their performance. Um, And the Orioles pitching was already a gigantic problem last year. Like Kyle, losing Kyle Gibson is huge. He's an influential veteran who erases innings, who gives you quality starts or a chance to win a game, especially with an offense like the Orioles have. Um, I know they got Burns in for him, but like you, you still need a in these in in these times you need you need to be six starters deep and you need to make sure like the top four are playoff worthy. So that was a losing Kyle Gibson was massive. Bringing in Corbin Burns was huge, but now he's support like Grayson Rodriguez. We're really baking him in like you. That's, that's somebody that you have to rely on an uptick in performance and the inconsistencies there are very real. So this injury is huge. I know there was still a lot to bake in with with um, Bradish's uh, 2024 performance, but you know th- this at the very least, the White Sox have an opportunity to gouge the Orioles in a Dylan Cease trade. Yeah. I don't know if they're gonna. I don't know if the O's would bite there, but if the news on Bradish gets worse, they might have to. Yeah, it's 100 percent true. Dean Kramer is there. Rodriguez was. Excellent in the second half of last season, but still the fewer K's than innings pitched. 
somewhat tenuous, you know, the best of luck, dreadful in the first half too. You know, you can't get better in the second half without being awful in the first half. And, and Rodriguez, while adjusting to Major League Baseball, 7.35 ERA and 10 starts. So I, I'm a big believer. You know, I'm not the only one. <laughs> a lot of prospect experts, also big believers in Grayson Rodriguez. But sure. the Orioles are slightly less ready to compete today than they were last week. And, and the Corbin Burns acquisition is what we always complain about with the Yankees. Like when they traded Jordan Montgomery, all of a sudden it's you got a big name. You replaced the starter you, you ditched. But you didn't add anybody. They got they gave up Montgomery, added Frankie Montas, and did not add a second starter. The issue with the Yankees with Jordan Montgomery wasn't uh, they you know they, they have the wrong five starters. It was that we're not sure if they have a playoff rotation. So yeah. we're swapping one guy out, swapping another guy in. We need to add another guy. They weren't deep enough at that point in time. A couple of years ago, they even used to trade for like Lance Lynn and Jaime Garcia together. They used to just add innings. He's be like, is this it? Is this the guy? I don't know. Uh, he's probably not starting a playoff game, but he'll make seven starts for us down the stretch, and he'll be competent. Now it's it's too often they're like, all right, there's a problem. We'll switch it out. We'll add another one. We won't get any better. We'll just keep the status quo. And it kind of feels like that's what the Orioles did here. Uh, the New York Yankees did make some moves yesterday. Technically, they welcomed some new uh, players to New York. Lou Trevino showed up unannounced. Uh, that was weird. Uh, <laughs> I think it was actually unannounced. He's like, I'm fucking here. Pay me. He actually said, like, if I show up, they can't tell me to leave or whatever, which great. I'm glad he's there. I don't know when that deal was settled, but that's a, one of those classic, hey, sign you for 2024 with an option for 2025. If he rehabs in time and most believe that he will be back down the stretch, that's a pretty nice arm to have. It was a weird non-tender. It was a non-tender to save money, objectively. They did not want to be paying somebody rehabbing for Tommy John surgery $4 million plus this season and now they don't have to and now it's split and there's an option here etc um 27 year old reliever clayton andrews too they get him in a trade they trade just a 19 year old from the dominican summer league to get him uh horrific small sample size performance in the big leagues for clayton andrews he had a 27 era last year in uh three innings uh three and a third innings sorry actually and, and i had some again some great tweets whenever dare. something like this happens we called him intriguing in an article you know why we called him intriguing in an article because at the minor league level last year 39 hits and 57 innings at triple a striking out 74 guys with 31 walks ground ball percentage is where you want it to be walk percentage is obviously awful gotta get his ducks in a row gotta stop giving out free passes but otherwise a lot of swing and miss at the AAA level. That's intriguing. And, of course, you had comments going, a 27 ERA is intriguing. Did you even <laughs> check for one second to see how often he pitched in the major? Uh, yeah, 27 ERA in 35 appearances. You'd have to uh, commit me to a hospital for even making the assertion that that's interesting. But 27 ERA in four games, three and a third innings. I think we can all look the other way on that one. Uh, who knows? Probably, but perhaps the most interesting thing about him is that he is 5'6". At 160 pounds, making him the smallest little man uh, Yankee since uh, somebody named Walt in the 50s is also that size. But they don't make them like that very often. But the Yankees might have two, five, six guys on the roster in a couple years if they keep this fella. And if Caleb Durbin shows out at spring training, like I think that he will. One of my favorite non-roster invitees. They also claim Jordan Groshans, but I feel like uh, the most important thing here is probably bringing Lutrovino back, wouldn't you say? Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. 
And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. I think it's cool. Um, again, he's not sure when he's going to be back. So I guess that's, uh, again, another injury issue. The reason he was non-tender was because there was a lot of uncertainty on that front. But um, I like the way that he was uh, tinkered with when he came over from Oakland. I thought that was a huge, huge addition um, to the Frankie Montas trade. Um, and he proved to be like a junior version of that fireman out of the bullpen that we love. The guy who can go two innings if you need him to, the guy who can come in in the sixth and get out of a jam, the guy who can close a game if you really needed him to. Um, if he wants to be here, that's freaking awesome. You know, I love guys who, who have that attitude. Um, obviously there's been some sort of back and forth with the team and him um, expressing his importance down the road, um, expressing his desire to want to remain with the Yankees. Cause how many times have we seen these non They just go away. You never see them again. You never hear of them again. They don't like it. Goodbye. See ya. Um, um, or they go somewhere else and they start talking shit on the Yankees. Um, so it, it's like, it's always one of those two things. So I like that he's back. You know, we've talked about, you know, talk Kluber, man. We're talking about having these veteran yeah. guys there that need to influence the pitching staff at large, the younger guys here, just the the fact that there is a lot of new in this, um, in this, uh, on this Yankees roster, in this Yankees clubhouse. And I know that the powers that be can control a decent portion of that. Aaron Judge, Garrett Cole, Giancarlo San, Anthony Rizzo, whatever. But um, you need the tutelage, you need the guidance, and not everybody, you know, not every player and uh, you know current rostered guy can provide that. Any addition helps. If Lou Trevino's here to to uh, um, consult until he's ready to play. That's awesome. If Corey Kluber is here to help uh, guys develop some more nasty pitches, I think we're on board, right? I, I wrote about that as like a pie in the sky. I, I, I wrote, honestly, full disclosure, I wrote an article about like moves the Yankees could still make before spring training. And I had signed Corey Kluber to a minor league deal in there in hopes that he would obviously not make the team uh, presumably after posting horrible numbers last year for the Red Sox, but but go down to Scranton and be able to influence some very important arms. Uh, Will Warren is going to be used this year by the New York Yankees. The more time he gets with uh, Corey Kluber, the better, right? And Chase Hampton's going to be at AAA soon. These are the guys I want Corey Kluber talking to. He he taught Michael King. Michael King, uh, you know, Kluber diminishes the credit that Michael King gives him for helping him develop that the curveball, the Kluber ball, the slider, whatever you want to call it. Um, but Michael King does credit Corey Kluber for allowing him to transition from, mm-hmm. you know, middling starter to dominant reliever and now eventually back to dominant starter in a small sample size. And he became, he might be, he might be an all-star out on the West coast this year. And either way, he is the centerpiece of the trade. that got the Yankees Juan Soto. And that is in large part, yes, because of King's makeup and the stuff he brought to the table, but because of Kluber's tutelage, he was able to unlock that final level of Michael King. So I had, you know, sign him to a minor league deal, eat the cost and make him a veritable pitching coach while eating as many innings as he can at triple A Scranton. Uh, well, he retired before I could publish that article. So I took all that out and I just said, make him a special advisor. Um, and then lo and behold, I, I thought it was a long shot because Kluber played for a lot of teams. 
the New York Yankees obviously have Matt Blake and have their program and, and will bring Andy Pettit in from time to time to talk to people. But I didn't know if they were actively shopping for special advisors or, or what have you. I figure, hey, he's been a part of the Rays uh, recently. Uh, more recently, actually, Kluber was a Yankee in 21 and a Ray in 22. The Rays are geniuses. They'll probably scoop Kluber up. Uh, the Red Sox have just revamped their pitching program. You would think they'd probably want to rip that Band-Aid off and, and just end yeah. the relationship with Kluber and let Andrew Bailey and Craig Breslow take care of it. But maybe Cleveland, that's another really smart forward-thinking team that develops a lot of pitching. Why wouldn't they want their former ace, Corey Kluber, in the building? So I was like, it'd be great if you were a Yankee. But, uh, you know, I'm just, you know, connecting loose dots. So he went to Aaron Judge's charity event. You know, maybe he wants to remain in the family or whatever. And it turns out that wasn't so far-fetched because it actually looks like maybe going to happen, which is uh, what I would call a great move by the New York Yankees. And among the, you know, almost at not, not quite as impactful as Juan Soto, obviously. Uh, but I would certainly oh, yeah. put adding, I, I think adding Corey Kluber to the organizational chart is just as important as like getting Caleb Ferguson, like as yeah. the mid tier moves they've made this offseason. I think that's crucial if they're able to finish this off. Corey Kluber was the best pitcher in major league baseball for like a four year stretch. Um, I understand that that, doesn't really hold weight um, from, you know, in the larger baseball picture historically, but like, remember Tim Lincecum, mm-hmm. you know, remember Barry Zito, like those guys, like those guys knew things about pitching. Their careers didn't last as long as we had hoped they would. Not everybody's a hall of famer, but if you were ever at one point atop your game for a stretch and were a household name in the sport, or some uh, somebody who dealt with the spotlight, conquered it, great with the media, you know, known to be a good teammate, known to be um, somebody who has a ton of knowledge. Like that's that that to me is a coach. That that's a that's somebody who can manage. That's somebody who can influence. Maybe not you know maybe not all of those things, but one of those things. So, and if Corey Kluber played a role during his one year in New York, imparting wisdom on various young pitchers who looked up to him um, or uh, or he just felt the need because he saw something that, mm-hmm. one, you know, so Michael King, for example, he saw something in Michael King that he thought could be maximized and, and better utilized. All the more reason, bring this guy in and, and think about this. He was able to do that while he was pitching, while he was battling injuries, now all he has to worry about is just doing that. Just look at the guys who you have and analyze the information, analyze the talent. You don't have to worry about anything else. You don't have to worry about performing in front of a New York um, fan base. You don't have to worry about rehabbing from injury and the mental toll that that takes. You are free. I think this is a, a potentially th- this is on par with any like any um, well, uh, like mid-size roster move. Caleb Ferguson, I think, is a great comparison. Yeah. I'd say it'd be on par in my, but Alex Verdugo, mm. you're upgrading. You're upgrading marginally at a spot that's definitely going to help you. You can get another brain in the room. And look, here's another thing, guys. We have no idea how much longer Matt Blake is going to be here for. No, no idea. You don't know if he's going to – I we don't know what the coaching carousel has been. There's been a lot of managerial vacancies over the last few years. Don't ask me why Matt Blake wasn't considered. Um, maybe there was something in his contract that prevented him from doing that. Maybe he has an agreement with the Yankees where um, this is the role he wants to be in. We literally have no idea. But mm-hmm. the time will come 
People will come knocking on doors. People will come asking questions. People will be making phone calls. Matt Blake will be a managerial candidate in some way, shape, or form, whether he wants to or not, as the years progress. Corey Kluber could be the standing pitching coach ready to take over in a year, two, three, whatever it is. So the better this team can prepare itself for the future, the better this team can get these minds in the door and not have to have, you know, these gaps in philosophy where it's like, oh, shit, we lost our pitching coach. Now what? Who do we go after now? We lost our bench coach now. Who's going to be our bench coach? Like, look at that. They didn't have a solution in-house for that. Carlos Mendoza leaves, and they're like, we guess Brad Osmus because he needs a job? He's a guy, yeah, currently not employed, I guess. Yes. He played yeah. baseball before. He was a manager, and now he he's looking for a job, but not exactly this job. Maybe this will entice him. I don't know. You don't want that. You want the you want what the Rays and the Guardians have. I mean, not not exactly what they have, but they have a pipeline in place every time because they know that they cannot um, make do with their free agency uh, spending. So what do they do? They have an infrastructure. They have people who are ready to fill in coaching gaps, um, in you know uh, fringe roster gaps where they don't miss a beat. And that's part of the equation here. Yes, the Yankees can make the big splash. They can fix a problem like that. But when you run into an offseason where you have to fix all the big problems and you have these other smaller ones that are taking up a lot of the time, you'd probably want one of those off your docket so you're not fully overwhelmed. Um, so I think Corey Kluber's acquisition on the pit, on the coaching staff would help this team immensely for now and for four or five years down the road. Yeah, 100%. And was that what Andy Martino is referring to when he said that the Yankees want more pitching? Uh, probably not. Hopefully not. Um, and again, we don't know if Andy Martino is just baselessly sort of speculating, uh, you know, because the Yankees do keep taking flyers on people. They get this Brewers lefty out of nowhere. Lou Trevino shows up to camp. Like he quote tweeted yesterday that the tweet that sent everybody into, into a fervor, he quote tweeted his own report. That is Lou Trevino does have an agreement with the Yankees pending physical. And then he quote tweeted it. Say he passed a physical. It's official. Wait, where'd it go? Oh, there's another quote. tweet. Oh, and then he quote tweeted and said, I get the sense that Yankees are still looking for pitching period. Um, so you never know from Andy Martino's tone, whether he was just being sarcastic because he had just announced a pitching signing being like, Oh, certainly it looks like the Yankees are looking for more pitching because they made two pitching moves yesterday. And just being like, I guess they're not settled there. Or whether he was saying, Hey, in addition to these things I already announced, I'm also getting the sense that the Yankees continue to look for pitching. Uh, sarcasm, Sardonic wit does not play on uh, X, formerly known as Twitter. So I don't know if he was like, huh, you think the Yankees want more pitching? They just got two guys. Or if he was like, also, in addition to these things, I think the Yankees are sniffing around pitching. It's still worth talking about only because Jordan Montgomery. I know we've done a million podcasts in a row where we were like, no more. The rotation's filled. It's filled. There are five people in there. Can't do anything about that. Blake Snell, I still think no chance. Uh, you know, so we offered him $150 million. He turned it down and the clock's ticking, but no chance. Jordan Montgomery is the one who Blake Snell can say, I am a Cy Young winner twice last year. I am not settling for a fucking pillow deal. I am not signing with you for three years. What are you fucking talking about? Jordan <laughs> Montgomery, on the other hand, has floated it through media channels that he might potentially be open to another shorter term deal uh, in order to get back to the place where he wants to be, but only with a contender. Cause there was a nugget from Alex Spire, Red Sox writer who said uh, that 
the Red Sox still not financially comfortable with Montgomery's market. And then if he were to take a one year or a two year deal that he would not want to do so with a team like the Red Sox, because he want would want to be assured of contention if he were to do that. Um, so that means that he is potentially at least floating that he would floating. You aren't interested in the Red Sox uh, on a one or two year deal is floating that you might be interested in a one or two year deal elsewhere for sure. Um, and he is, not Blake Snell. Jordan Montgomery is extremely unlikely to win a Cy Young. Jordan Montgomery's market might be the most miscalculated by Scott Boris. Snell wants the moon, right? 200, 210, 220. He is a two-time Cy Young winner. Nobody is responding to that request, but I get why it was made. If Montgomery is seeking more money than Carlos Rodon, I don't see uh, you know, no all-stars under his belt. He's a great number three starter who could win you playoff games on the road. But he is not a Cy Young. He is not an ace. And his market might have been the most miscalculated by Scott Boras of all. Uh, I still don't think the Yankees have a chance here. I think there's animosity between the two parties. That has also been floated this offseason. The Montgomery might not be keen on the Yankees, even if the Yankees were keen on him. But as he looks for a contender and as he maybe contemplates a shorter-term deal, the Yankees cannot rule this out. Uh, also drive liney Shane Bieber. You got to think about pulling off a trade there. You got to hope that maybe the price tag decreased on Shane Bieber. Uh, Edward Cabrera in the mix for the pirates right now, a leaked article came out indicating the pirates already traded for him. It was just a draft. They were getting it ready as a pre-write, but that package was tiny. Maybe the Yankees would be interested in beating that package. Um, I don't know. <laughs> making me, yeah, I know what I mean. <laughs> it's making me, it's making me think about these future fits. There is right now an empty locker in the Yankees locker room right by the rotation. Uh, Rodon is not on the wall. There are five lockers and then a sixth. The five are occupied uh, by the five starters in the rotation, and there's a sixth just hanging out there. Uh, who's that for? Is it Andy Martinez's target? Was Martino being sarcastic? Has Jordan Montgomery really considered the bridge burned between the Yankees and his camp? I don't know. I don't know either, but uh, props to the Red Sox. The Red Sox strategy seemingly all offseason long was waiting for these free agent markets to crater so they could maybe get in on a short-term deal. Uh, turns out nobody wants to fucking play for them on a short-term deal because they are not a destination to win. Um, so what would you want to do if you're Jordan Montgomery? Do you want to sign a short-term deal with a non-contender in a bandbox of a ballpark? Um, or do you maybe want to come back to the organization that maybe didn't treat you that well, but now has re-upped in almost you know every major area of the roster um, and has awoken their World Series hopes for the coming season? I don't know. Um, again, this whole thing is tough with everything that's happened in the past. Um, it's also tough for the Yankees because remember, um, I don't think a short-term deal helps the Yankees here. Um they have to pay the 100% tax this year. So in my opinion, the only way that the Yankees might justify spending big on somebody is if they maybe dish out a long-term deal and they heavily backload it. So they're not on the hook for a ton of money this year when the tax is as high as it's going to be. Next year, different story. You're going to have a ton of money come off the books. Um, they'll probably still be like somewhat in the range of the Cohen tax, like depending on who they need to add, but they're not going to be pressed up against it constantly uh, wondering what their next move is going to be because of how much money they're going to have to spend on top of the expenditure. Um, so yeah, that's where my hesitation lies. 
Um, because if you think about it, like Jordan Montgomery, even on a short-term deal, is getting what? 25 million he's getting more than the qualifying offer there's no doubt about he's not he's not getting the qualifying offer at exactly yeah he's not getting the hector naris contract (laughs) two years 20 million work jordan thanks for uh thanks for negotiating with us so um look this would be an awesome fit on a short-term deal it'd be i think it'd be a good fit in general but yeah i think it's a it's a boris miscalculation he tried to take advantage of starting. Look, it's still weird to me because if there's any market you can shoot to the moon with, it's starting pitching because people pay for it. It doesn't matter. Um, you can't you can't uh, look at the outfield market year after year. Like Bryce Harper was forced to wait in the spring training. Like that 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 was a reality. I know Manny Machado was in that offseason too, but um, that I think that was for different reasons. It was a tumultuous end of his career with the Dodgers, and there was a lot of question quick character questions going on and, and all that stuff um but starting pitching is ironclad it's the number one asset that every team needs in order to contend for a world series you could have the best offense out there it doesn't matter a good starter is going to neutralize you and if a team has two or three of them you're done in a short playoff series um so i don't know how it, it seems to be like boris shot way too high I think he could have got. I, I think he could have got Montgomery off this this offseason with a, like a hundred and twenty five million dollar contract, and I think that would have been fair for everybody. That would have been fair for the team, you know, overspending a little bit. It would have been fair for Montgomery. Like I understand he had a legendary run over the last year and change, but some some of these front offices are not giving into that anymore. They're not saying, "Oh, okay, so you had a good eighteen months, so now we're going to pay you like you had a good ten year career." Um, nonetheless. I don't think that this paves a way for him back to the Yankees. I wish it did, um, unless there's some wild scenario out there that I'm not thinking of. Mm -hmm. Um, But then again, I go to bed every night thinking of scenarios, um, and I have been thinking of a lot of scenarios since the end of of September uh, because we didn't make the playoffs. Um, And I think I thought them all through. I am tapped for scenarios is all I'm trying to tell you. Yeah. Uh, I just I've I've written off getting any of these guys for so many months that it's also yeah. only now starting to dawn on me that nobody has fucking signed them. Like, how am I? I, I was like, we're not getting Jordan Montgomery or Blake Snell. Like, they'll go to the Angels and the Red Sox or the Rain. Like, how are we still sitting here, February fifteenth, going? I don't know. Maybe the Yankees should. Maybe he'll accept a dollar. Maybe he'll take some equity in the team. Like, how is he still on the market? How are any of these people still available? Uh, well, either way, we will keep everyone in touch and appraised of any moves that we need to discuss as we draw, draw closer to opening day. Uh, we appreciate everybody joining us today on the podcast. We will be back Thank next you. week, but but not on Monday. Uh, that is a holiday. We are taking that holiday off. We're going to be saluting the presidents on Monday. Thank you yes. very much. We absolutely will be uh, saluting the presidents here as well. It's a president-centered podcast. We love uh, from Taft to McKinley. Presidents are our specialty. Uh, Yes, we will be off. We'll be back next week. We'll catch everybody on Thursday. We're lining up some special guests, hopefully, ideally. I think we are. We certainly are. We're lining them up, but we don't know when they'll be yet. Uh, So we have some special guests on this show as the season draws closer. Uh, You can find us live here, 2 o'clock Eastern. Join us, become a member of the channel, be in that Discord. You could be in there early, early adopter. Um, But otherwise, we'll catch us on your podcast feeds. Leave us a review. If you haven't, five stars would be great. Uh, Even uh, the person who's left us one-star reviews in the past updated it again to a five-star. He blames Apple now. I think it is Apple's fault. We love that guy. 
Uh, he, he brings us valid criticism, and we will respond to it. But we like that the review is five stars. That is nice. I can't yeah. say that I don't like that. Um, I'm Adam Weiner, but you can find me on Twitter. Uh, oh, my God. Actually, you can't. You can only find me on X. That's what the platform is called now. Um, at, at Adam Weiner, Thomas Carinante, where can the people looking for you find you? And follow-up question, do you want them to find you? I want them to find me. Um it is Twitter until Elon Musk changes the URL. It is still not X. If you type in X, it goes right to Twitter. So figure it out. I am on Twitter at Tommy's underscore takes. Um, some of you freaking weirdos have found me on Instagram. I'm not going to give you that because that's not a place where I'm going to do any discourse. That's for <laughs> posting pictures. Um, that's not for yelling at people. Twitter is for yelling at people. You can hit me up there. You could find the both of us at the official Yanks Go Yard Twitter account at Yanks Go Yard FS. You can read our bylines at yanksgoyard.com. We are still churning out the content. There's a lot of stuff coming um, with spring training here. Pitchers and catchers have reported. You're going to get some players, uh, position players in there soon enough. We already got a slimmer-looking Jason Dominguez looking sexy on the field Mm -hmm. after uh, what he wore that vest and everyone thought he was overweight. Um, Good job, guys. (laughs) Really great by you. But yeah, that was a tough one. I mean, is Jason Dominguez fat? I'm like, I don't know. I don't want to have to do this. I, oh, why? He looks, he looks good. He looks great. He looks great. So head on over to yanksgoyard.com. We appreciate the support there. We appreciate you guys tuning in to listen. Um, enjoy your extended weekend, uh, and we'll talk to you soon. Take care. We certainly will. Take care, everybody. It's been real. Oh, and I need back surgery. I got it in December. There you go. <laughs> Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.